0: Holly G. with the Golf Insiders. It's moving day at the U.S. Open at the Country Club in Brookline outside. Beautiful Beantown, the Boston area where the best of the best sports fans will be out on the course today. And it's my pleasure to have one of my favorite Golf Insiders. He's the king of New England golf publisher of ProGolfWeekly.com and NewEngland.golf, Tom Gorman. Wow, what a
1: welcome, Holly. Thank you.
0: Tommy G., great to see you. So fun that we're having some time up here in your neighborhood. And uh, what are your thoughts after the first two rounds? And what are we going to expect today out on the golf course?
1: Okay, Holly, a couple things. First of all, you can feel a different buzz today as you walk on the grounds. You know, it's a little bit more tense. It's quieter. But when we looked at the tee times for the final group today, you see that it's 345, okay? Now, Boston fans are noted to be loud and I'd say a little bit rowdy. I think what we can expect today is some rowdiness, some loud action on the course. And that would probably be because it's bordering up to happy hour and um, if this thing goes till seven or eight o'clock tonight and say people like Rory stay on the top of the leaderboard, Keegan Bradley, you're gonna hear some some rather vociferous crowds out here. That's my that's my prediction based on a little home course knowledge.
0: Well, can't wait for that. And uh, we know it's been a busy sports week in the Boston area. Tom, sorry about those Celtics. Uh...
1: So the Boston Celtics made a really good effort to upstage the U.S. Open, okay? they Obviously, they lost um, the other night to the Golden State Warriors, but if they had beaten the Warriors in four games or five games, as we speak today on Saturday, they would have had a planned duck parade, okay? A victory parade to celebrate their world championship. It did not happen. I think USGA officials are happy, and the Celtics' season is over, and this U.S. Open is not going to be upstaged by any other... Major franchise like the Boston Celtics. Did you say duck parade? Yes, a duck parade means a, a city that wins a championship, a world championship, generally has a parade in their downtown and they have these open, open sort of, they call them floats. Duck, duck, yeah, floats, floats, exactly. And they hold the trophy, and the crowds come out, and they cheer and cheer and cheer. It's it's uh, It would have been planned today, but it's not. And well, they're going to have to wait indefinitely, because the Celtics, they have 17 championships. They were looking for 18. Did not happen. And I would imagine that a lot of those Celtics fans might come over here today. Well, to Brooklyn.
0: Uh, if you recall uh when the Tampa Bay Bucks won the Super Bowl, we had a boat parade and uh Tom Brady nearly tossed the uh trophy into the uh, harbor.
1: <laughs> I remember watching that.
0: Speaking thing, of Brady, good thing you know, gronkowski has got good hands, huh?
1: Oh yeah, I, that was uh that was on all the highlight film. Speaking of Brady, Tom Brady had a he just sold his house last summer. Um he's got a house bordering the Country Club, and it was right next to Bob Kraft, who owns the Patriots. I'd say it's about a a long par four from from the media center here. And of course, you probably know that Francis, we met, who won the 1913 U.S. Open here as a 20-year-old amateur. His his home is across the street from the 17th hole. And and as we talk about history at the Country Club, you probably remember a little event 1999 called the Ryder Cup.
0: I do, and I was there.
1: You were there? And did you see Ben Crenshaw kiss that green after Justin Leonard uh, made that 40-footer to tie? I sure
0: Marie? I sure <laughs> did. I sure did. That was almost as memorable as those awful uh, photo album shirts they were wearing. Oh, yes.
1: <laughs> the world's worst. The world's worst. But memories, you know, history's made here. 88, um, Curtis Strange, he, he wanted to play it off over Nick Faldo. At that time the playoffs were eighteen holes. Sixty three, um, Julius Boros won in a playoff. And they say that the history was made on the seventeenth hole, of course, Justin Leonard. And back in eighty eight, Curtis Strange three putted the seventeenth hole to go into a tie with Nick Felder, who's already in the clubhouse. So Nick so Curtis Strange had to par the eighteenth hole in nineteen eighty eight. Remember hitting his drive in the right rough, and he kind of bumped one up in the front bunker, and he got up and down in two, and history was made because he went on to win. So um, we're suggesting it's implied that the 17th hole may be a factor the next couple of days. We'll we'll take a look at it today, see what happens. But tomorrow afternoon, based on what's gone on before this, uh, we can expect it might be a factor
0: you know the the country club is a fantastic venue given all the you know scuttlebutt and controversy that's been going on over the past couple of weeks it's really refreshing to have it back at a just an old school traditional tight challenging golf course tom i know you're a a good player it's really fun to listen to these players talk about how much appreciation and respect they have for this golf course.
1: Yeah, it's unreal. The, uh, Mike Wan said at a uh, conference the other day, I think it was Wednesday, Yeah, Friday the first day, he said when they played the U.S. Amateur here in 2013 that they gave serious consideration to pulling out because it's only about 750 acres and it didn't have the the logistics, you know, didn't have the the length that they wanted to see. It didn't have a lot of the cr- minimum criteria, but they did go ahead, and he's saying that they they don't regret it for a minute. Even though you know it is a little bit tight, they don't. They're only allowing about twenty five thousand people in each day. If you combine that with the corporate boxes of another fifteen, so. Mostly there's 40,000 people moving and shaking and, and you know, making their way around this, this property each day, which is kind of small by today's standards. But yeah. just getting back to the course, a, whole, a couple of holes to watch is that um, 14th hole. It's a 625-yarder, and it, the green rises about 70 yards towards the end. Yesterday I was out watching um, Rory McElroy and Xander Shoffley. So Rory hits a drive about 366. That's what they measured it at. Wow. And he had, I think he had about 240, 250 left. So what was expected to be, and of course they're on in two, both of them. And because Xander is as long as Rory. But they had thought that nobody would be getting on in two, but they underestimated I guess John Rahm and a bunch of others were on in two. So I don't know if there's enough length anywhere to stop these guys from you know, getting home in two, putting for Eagles on on these par fives. But that's an exciting hole to watch this afternoon when folks are watching from wherever.
0: Yeah, um, I, I was interviewing Damon Hack earlier. He said that Rory said this golf course is like Pebble Beach meets Bethpage Black, which I thought was a great description, you know, from the tough greens to the Elevated uh, greens and the layered, thick, you know, bunkers, uh, and you know, just the outcroppings. Just it's it. They they gotta play smart, and we're seeing a lot of frustration come out of these players. Tom, when you know, Rory, you know, chunked his. His bunker shot into another bunker. Uh, you know, you've seen some emotion out there with some of these guys. I saw a guy yesterday completely with it. Tom, how often do you see a oh, a golf professional with?
1: Yeah, Unheard of. It's all about recovery. And I, I think uh, at McAvoy's press conference, he said he made two bad swings on the tenth tee. He sort of duck hooked his drive, punched it out. Said he took his medicine, just play for the bogey. That's what he did. But. um... It's uh, it's a course. We played it about a month ago, Holly, and I guess the, the fairways are about 25 yards wide, which is, you know, within reason for the USJ. And the rough is up to your ankles, so you're going to pay the price if you stray it off that fairway. And the green's probably going to be faster over the weekend. But one plus out of all this. There's Mike Wan and you know there's a whole new team seeing o- overseeing um, setups. Well, John Bodenham is still there, but Mike Davis doesn't have any any input, any direction, and control to uh, I don't want to say ruin it, but you know uh, he has nothing to do with the last two days and, and the next two going forward. So that is a good thing. Not one player or spectator has said you know it's too tough or there's other issues going on or you know it's not fair. So. First day, I think they had 25 players under par. Yesterday, 24. Um, What's ahead today? A little bit of breeze. You know, no no other factors like rain. You know, maybe eight under could win for the weekend. That's that's my prediction. Who it's going to be? No idea. All I know is it's a hot ticket up here in Boston. If you go online right now, $400 for grounds only ticket right now to get in. Wow. Well, I think the world will be watching later. I think they're going to get a good show, and I just hope the philosophy don't get too rowdy out there, you know.
0: Well, uh, you know, a little bit of that Irish and a little bit of that, uh, a little bit of that Sam Adams beer can uh, <laughs> cause some cause some good trouble, my friend.
1: Amber colored liquids. That's what, and little cups, a lot of cups going on.
0: All right. Well, Tom, we appreciate you spending some time with us. Tom Gorman, publisher of New England Golf. And Trove Golf Weekly. Always fun to spend some time with you and have a great day out there.
1: Thanks, Holly. I hope I see you tomorrow the final round.